Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, it seems there are a lot of people and a lot of companies that are trying to seek some gains from the political divide in the country. Uh, So many organizations uh, have their own agenda, not just product-wise, not just uh, employee-wise, not just customer-wise, but politically. And uh, not too long ago, uh, there were a lot of those who said, you know, you don't have to mix all of those things together. Uh, we, we don't have to have all of our politics in our sports. We don't have to have all of our politics in our grocery store uh, or in our brands or in our clothing or anywhere else for that matter. And that's an interesting conversation to get into. Uh, our good friend uh, Yuval Levin uh, wrote a brilliant piece about this. And uh, he wasn't able to join us today uh, with the beginning of Passover. Uh, But I want to go through some of the things that Yuval Levin shared in this piece, because I think they are incredibly insightful in terms of where we are and what the possible path forward might look like. So uh, his uh, his piece was called How to Curb the Culture War. And he actually starts with a a really interesting uh, conversation that goes all the way back to 1990. Uh, and it was in Michael Jordan's heyday. Uh, he was uh, really at the pinnacle there, uh, selling a lot of shoes with Nike. Everything was Be Like Mike, uh, was famous for Gatorade. Uh, you had all of the shoe deals. You had everything going on. And Michael Jordan was very focused on his basketball, and rightly so. Uh, and then a little something happened. A little politics happened in the state of North Carolina, where, of course, Michael Jordan uh, still walks on water. Uh, and they still believe that Carolina blue is the color of heaven. Uh, not sure that part's right, but we'll work on that. So a really interesting thing happened. Uh, he got tangled up in a political race in North Carolina. Uh, there was a, uh, a Democrat, Harvey Gantt, uh, very talented uh, young Democrat, uh, he was the first black mayor of Charlotte, uh, was running against uh, the late Jesse Helms. Uh, so that tells you how far back that goes. And everyone wanted Michael Jordan to weigh in and to endorse Harvey Gantt for the United States Senate. And while Jordan did contribute to Gantt's campaign, uh, nobody quite recognized that. Uh, whoever was doing the finances for the Gantt campaign failed to notice a donation that came in from one Michael Jordan. Uh, so somebody was a little asleep at the switch there. Uh, anyway, they they actually reached out to Michael Jordan's mother to say, hey, will Michael just endorse Harvey Gantt? 
And really interesting, uh, Michael Jordan said no. He said he didn't want to jump into the race publicly because Republicans buy sneakers too. Uh, And that's an interesting thing. Now, some people took that as just a very crass, very self-centered, something about Michael Jordan, you know, wanting to earn more money and and make more off of his Nike sneakers. Uh, But there's something to that. There's something to that. Uh, And even years later uh, in that, uh, some of you may have watched the 2020 documentary, The Last Dance. uh, And this was actually brought up in it, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, when Michael made this comment about Republicans buy sneakers too and how he didn't want to mix it. He was just focused on playing basketball. He said, that was my craft and that's what I focused on. I thought of myself as a basketball player, Jordan said. I wasn't a politician uh, and I was just focused on my craft. So so that's an interesting thing to, to take a look at. Uh, but then we got to look at how that all plays forward because think of where we are today. Think of where Nike is today. Uh, in terms of political messaging. Uh, They're in the middle of the middle of the middle of it. And so, you know, Michael Jordan may just have been right. Because one of the things, and Yuval Levin points this out in his piece, that every realm of our lives have become battlefield for politics. There's no boundaries. There's no... You know, it's, politics isn't just in schools and university and, and corporate. It's it's in our places of worship. It's in civil society. It's in our private lives. It's online. Uh, it's in our social media feeds. It's with all of the products that we buy. Uh, ask Disney where they are. Uh, that's clearly bubbling up for a lot of folks in terms of their political positioning on a host of things. And so it, it's really interesting to me that we we really don't have space anymore where we can say no we don't we don't need politics in that space we don't need it in that space we we don't have to have it every single place we go and politics should never be the the center of our lives anyway it wasn't designed to be that way it was designed so it wouldn't have to be that way so that we could live in a civil society and have that light touch in terms of the role of government. And so it's an interesting thing to think about. Uh, And I go back and forth in terms of if you have a platform and every celebrity has a platform now, so do they have to speak out about every single issue? And it's amazing how often they will get attacked for not saying something about a particular issue And it may be a particular issue that they don't have either a lot of interest in or they may not have a lot of awareness of or they may not be really steeped in it. And so they may not feel like they can weigh in in a credible way. But we've come to expect that if you're famous, if you're an influencer, if you're a brand, then you have to weigh in on every single thing. And I think that's negatively impacted And created a whole lot more battles because we are battling all the time. You think of where the NFL has been the last couple of years. Uh, You look at where a lot of the the sports are in terms of political messaging. And then again, you go to celebrity and then you go to big brands. 
and every field is a battlefield. And I think we should do it a little different. You know, I don't I don't have to know everything and I don't have to look to my sneaker company or a soft drink company to tell me how I should feel about the First Amendment or the second or any others. Uh, I really don't need them to do that for me. I, I think we can handle that on our on, on our own. And so it, it, it's really fascinating. Uh, one thing that Yuval Levin pointed out that we'll close out with, that in the 90s it says politicians were boring and politics attracted mostly boring people, which made the entire discourse smarter. Today the lines between politics, pop culture, and reality TV have all become blurred. And I think we're much worse off. People whose energy would have once been focused on pro wrestling, pro wrestling now opine on the most important issues of the day. Uh, and we see that across the board in, in so many things. We're going to continue to have this conversation. This is an important one. Not everything is a battlefield. Maybe we got to look for a little field of dreams instead. Stay with us. Bottom of the hour news coming up. Much more on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.